Welcome to the Grow Your Business and Grow Your Wealth podcast with Gary Helt. Gary is an expert in helping business owners put together a plan that will provide a better future for their businesses, themselves, and their families. On the podcast, Gary interviews other professionals who share his vision, and together they share secrets and strategies any business owner can use to build a better financial foundation for your business and your life. Welcome back to the podcast. This week, my guest is Glenn Poulos, and he's the founder, vice president, and general manager for Gap Wireless, Inc. Glenn, welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Gary. Great to be here. So, Glenn, besides being the co-founder and, and, and managing member and everything, you're also an author and a sales expert. You've been doing this for dec- you know for at least three decades now. Right. Kind of, kind of tell us some about your your background and 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 what you've done, you know, through these, you know, your career, um, and why that makes you the sales expert. Sounds good. So I, I a funny thing is, uh, my first job I actually was a civil servant. I worked for the federal government and uh, Environment Canada. Uh, as an electronic technician, and my boss pulled me aside one day, and he said, "You, you're not cut out for the government. You should go work in the private sector, and I recommend you get a job in sales." Right, and uh, so <clears throat> I ended up taking him up on that offer and and uh, or that suggestion, and I did actually get a job in sales, and um, I worked for those guys for about five years, and um. The uh, and at, at around the five year mark, I approached the owners um, about a business opportunity to sort of spin a little bit, uh, a little piece of their business off and create another company which I could become a partner in. Mm-hmm. And they turned me down and said it wasn't a good idea. So I quit my job and I went and did it without them. And right. uh, I ran that company for about 15 years. Uh, it's a sales company selling high tech products from around the world in uh, mainly the Canadian market, but uh, some parts of the U.S. as well. And uh, sold that company. Uh, there were some machinations and uh, ups and downs that went along with that sale, which I can talk about at any point. But I ended up having uh, sort of restarting a new business, which I ran for another 15 years. So now we're like five years in sales, 15 years, and then another 15. I'm I'm dating myself now, right? Um, and last year I sold that business after 15 years uh, to US private equity. And I did agree to stay on with them for uh, for some period. And, um, and so I'm working for them now, helping to integrate their Canadian uh, operations for them. Uh, but I sold my business to them and they now own it. And uh, a few uh, a couple of weeks ago, we changed the name to their name. So we went from being Gap Wireless, which was G and P is those are my initials, and the A was the vowel I needed in order to create a word. Right. Um, and then we're now NWS Canada, and uh, part of NWS in the U.S. and uh, which is the same kind of business, just a lot bigger than we are. Right. And uh, yeah, and that's like the Cook's tour of how I got here, thirty-five years later. So, so what is it about sales? Because obviously, you know, I, I think for somebody to be passionate like you are, you have to really like it. So what about sales really gets you going? Well, you mean beyond the commission? Or? Well, yes. Beside <laughs> the pay. Yeah. So the one thing I always liked about sales was um, the, you know, it, it does allow you to sort of... Um, you know, uh, what I'm trying to think of the word, but basically crack the code on sort of 
on increasing your income quicker than other kinds of jobs, right? Like if I had just stayed as a technician for the government, I would have gone to, you know, they, they were called EL1, EL2, EL3 electronic levels, right? And I probably would have uh, finished, I probably, they probably would have retired me at this age I'm at now. And I probably would have been EL7 and, you know, I would have gone up in the tiers throughout right. those years. And, you know, I might've gone from like 30 grand where I started to 80 grand or something. I don't know, but right. Sales allows you to go 50 grand one year and then, you know, you can move around or as your uh, success in the company grows, you can go from 50 to 100K or 200K. And I mean, other, you know, other jobs don't really allow that. So that's the one, um, you know, thing that um, that sales allows you. The second thing is that I'm real kind of like um, geek when it comes to like technology and playing with the latest and greatest. And I was always selling high tech products. And so you know, when you're a salesman, you're selling the latest product. You're not selling five-year-old technology. So you get to push the latest buttons, show the latest hardware, play with the latest stuff, and sort of keep yourself present in technology each year as it goes along and not stagnate, you know, in a, you know, in the government, the stuff I was using was 10 years old, right? And uh, getting a new piece of equipment was almost impossible. And uh, yeah, so... So yeah, those are some of the reasons why I really love selling and and also the the mobility, right? You can go, you know, you're out on calls, you have a high degree of freedom. You have the freedom to make no money if you're lazy and you have the freedom to make all sorts of money if you work hard, right? That's an important lesson you have to learn. Now, um, you've written a couple of books. Um, one of the books is uh, Never Sit in the Lobby. And in there, you talk about um, selling success or success in selling um, involves certain things that you shouldn't do. Right. Can you, can you tell us some of those um, things that, that you talked about? Sure. And the one thing, yeah, well, the title is never sit in the lobby. So that's the first thing that you right. shouldn't do is first read the title and then don't do what it says or do right. what it doesn't says to do. Right? right. Never sit in the lobby. Right. So, um, you know uh, the uh, yeah. So the book is really uh, you know, it's, uh, never sit in the lobby, you know, 57 factors for building a business and a career and selling. Right. So it's all sorts of tips. So you can really flip to any point in the book and figure out something that you should do something that you shouldn't do, um, you know, or little stories or anecdotes on how I did things, um, you know, when I was, when I was stumped in business or what have you. And, um, you know, and so it's just, it's just peppered with, uh, with both the do's and the don'ts. Right. But, you know, so never sit in the lobby. So just show up on time, be standing and waiting for your customer. Don't be on your phone. You know, it's just a, it's just a basic etiquette point, right? It's not rocket science, but you'd be surprised how many times I see sales guys sitting down and the customer comes out and they don't even realize that he walked through the door and right. he's waiting for them, standing in front of him. The guy's, you know, playing on his phone, right? It's a bad look, right? And um, another one of the don'ts is never forget a face, right? So I have a rule where before I go to the lobby, um, I sit in my car, I call up my phone. And if I'm calling on a customer I've been to before, I go through the names of the uh, clients in the account that I've met. Right. And I re-remember their face, right? So I go to each one. Oh, Sally, right? That's the redhead. You know, Bob, that's the tall guy. You know, Jack, that's the short guy. You know, and I try to remember them and, and bring their face to the forefront so that when I see that face, you know, later that day, if I'm in the, you know, if I get past the lobby, right. um, then I remember it instantly because I already re-remembered it. 
And so I say, hey, Sally, great to see you with no delay. And she's like, wow, that guy remembered my name. I haven't seen him in two years. And that is really a good look and it impresses people and it makes them feel good that you remembered their name and used their name, right? Right. And, um, you know, one of the things that I always suggest you do do is always ask for a mini tour when you're when you're dropping anything off to the customer. Right. And a mini tour is is basically a tour that's mini. And what I mean by that is essentially, uh, you know, ask them to look around. If you're if you're showing them something for their new office, ask to see the tour, of the little uh, tour around that office. If you're showing them something for the production area, can I see the new production area? Just a quick tour. Right. right. Show me the warehouse, the you know, the the back office, the front office, the upstairs, the downstairs, whatever it is you're selling and why you're there. Right. And um, but try to get past the lobby in some way and have a, you know, and have a reason for it. Right. Because. Once you get past that door, then you can practice that rule of never forgetting a face. You can see all those people and the new guy's going to say, wow, Glenn knows everybody. That's incredible. And you can also look around and see your, see whose competitors logos they're wearing on their t-shirts, right? Right. You know, whose baseball cap he's got on the golf balls on the desk, you know, the coffee mug, the mouse pads and, and realize, Hey, wait a minute, I've got some competition here. Somebody has been dropping off a lot of swag to these guys and it's not us. Right. And, um, those are just some of the, you know, some of the little tips and tricks that I do on every, every time I'm in front of a customer to get a little bit of a leg up on, um, you know, on, you know, on, on, on my competition. Right. And, oh yeah. And one of the other most important lines in the book, it's a don't is never fax the facts and never ship the shit. Right. And that's the saying. Right. Now, of course, faxes are old. I know that. Right. Everyone's like, oh, but nobody faxes anymore. And I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, well, don't email it either. Drop it off. If the guy asks you for a literature, drop it off. If he asks you for a quote, drop it off. If he asks you for some information, tell him you're on your way there the next day. You'll drop by with the info, with the data sheet and and a few other things. And, you know, the next thing is a rule. Another rule from the book. When you show up, always have something in your hand. And something in your mind, right? Something to give them and something to talk to them about. And 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 again, you know, these are just, they just stack one on other, right? Never sit in the lobby. Never forget a face. Always ask for a tour. Have something in your hand and something in your mind. Never fax the facts. Never ship the shit, right? So often people, when they do demos and things, they just ship it in. And the people that get the box that ends up on the guy's floor of his office, he never opens the box. Right. Two weeks later, he asked for it back. He never even looked at it. Yeah. right yeah i never do that and i mean uh, it sounds like a, a lot of the things that you're talking about the do's and the don'ts it all goes kind of goes back to building that relationship as compared to it being a transaction even though you know you talked earlier about you know you want that transaction because obviously that's your commission but right you know so much of what you're doing is building a relationship with with that customer exactly yeah the in building these relationships with with customers, obviously that that's something that's very important. And you know, you talked about you know the faxing and emailing and things like that. How have you evolved things with um, you know? Again, everybody went through COVID, and and you know people weren't meeting in person as much and things like that. So how do you how did you kind of transition that or or flip it to to you know, still be your way. So you still have, I'm going to say, have that control. 
Right. Well, during COVID, especially in Canada, we were like locked down. So we didn't have any choice. Nobody could go anywhere. Everything was locked up. Nobody would let you in, even if you could go out. And and so that was really a one-time slice in time where everything changed. And then the question was, what did we do when it ended, right? And it took a while for our customers to open their doors again. And it's only been, you know, some little bit of 2022 and most of 2023 that we've been back in front of them. Right. And it's been hard for people to mentally, you know, after two years at home, uh, get back out on the road. And it's, you know, you have to be sensitive to change. And it was hard change going all of a sudden having to do everything virtually and figuring out how to make numbers. And then all of a sudden how to stop being virtual again and get back on the road and get in front right. of them. Right. And so right. um, as it relates to the balance, it's not, but it's not like we, created a new world that we stayed in permanently right like we we created a new way during covid to get whatever done we needed to get done but it was just a moment in time uh to, and now we're evolving back into where we were before it's a new before you know it's a new reality but it's more like it was than than it what than what it was during covid right like these things are hot the stuff we sell are high ticket items and it's done face to face right nobody buys a car off the internet Right. I mean, everyone wants to test drive it. Everyone's going to the dealership. They want to get in the car. They want to smell that new car smell. They want to take it for a test drive. It's the same thing with many items, right? There's some software things that you can get a trial online and do a 30 day trial and buy it. Never talk to anyone, but that's not who I'm appealing to. I'm appealing to people that are, you know, bag carrying quota carrying salespeople that have to go and visit customers and book business and, the only way to do it is face-to-face, in my opinion. Yes, you can have some of the stuff virtually. Not all the meetings are face-to-face, but right. you don't want to default to thinking that you're going to get it done over Zoom because if you do, what ends up happening is, is that you don't see that below the camera line, the guy's got a logo on his shirt and it's from your competitor, right? right. And you know, and that the guy's the competitor's boxes are sitting on his desk or behind him or in front of him or whatever, and you got to get in front of them to see what they're doing and uh, to see where you fit in the food chain. Right. Right. So that's how we're, you know, we're sort of rationalizing it, but it wasn't easy. And, uh, but most of our guys are pretty much on the road full time now, um, you know, at this point. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I know for, for me as a business owner, um, especially being in the accounting world, um, typically we're not, we're not looked at as salespeople. So for those business owners that that aren't looked that way and haven't had that sales experience, how do you recommend them developing these skills to be able to talk to the customers and and possibly the venture capitalists to invest in their business and stuff like that? Well, they should probably read my book. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding, but it's true, but I'm kidding, but it's true. You know, and um, the, uh, so, you know, I am actually trying to appeal to all people in business that are running a business, not just the sales guy. And, and I mean, the, you know, a lot of what I'm trying to explain to people is uh, the mantra of my book and the company that I run is try to, I try to get across how to get, act and stay in front of customers and to be a pleasure to do business with always. That's the mantra that I try to live by. And so there's all sorts of tips in the book about how not to be annoying, right? And in other words, like how to build rapport properly with a customer, how to, uh, you know, how to practice active listening with a customer, 
you know, and things like that, because it's all about, you know, uh, how you present yourself really that, and how you allow the customer to present themselves. You know, if you're marching in and you're trying to get your, you know, uh, agenda across without any care of how the customer, you know, the situation of the customer at that moment, that comes across and you just look selfish and, and, you know, and, uh, uh, self-serving. And so, um, you know, I, I give a lot of like question techniques, things like that. Um, things about how you, when you phone people, you know, to always leave a voicemail, the length of the voicemails to leave, you know, and there's all sorts of just little rules that I follow uh, for the, each step of the way. I even like, I even tell you, Hey, if you have to go out for lunch with a customer, this is where you sit. This is what you do at the restaurant. This is how you act. Right. And, um, especially if you're an invited guest, right. How not to be a, um, you know, a bad, a bad guest at a dinner. Yeah. And, uh, oh, cause a lot of people are new to say, you know, they're new in oh, sales. Yeah. They get invited to these dinners and they don't know how to behave. Right. And they think they do, but you know, right. they, you know, they, uh, <laughs> they, you know, they learned their, uh, they learned their, their skills at McDonald's or something. Right. And, uh, you know, um, and so I go over all of those basics and, um, you know, and how to get and stay motivated and things like that. Right. And um, and so, you know, a lot of what I try to uh, coach people on is how not to be annoying. And um, because, you know, people have a low tolerance for for being sold or being, you know, someone pushing an agenda anything like that. Right. And they smell it instantly, you know, like, I mean, if you've ever, you know, you've, you've had probably lots of car buying experiences. I love, you know, relating it to car buying because most people can relate to it. Right. Right. And I mean, I've had guys, I walked in and it's like, before I've even like, he's even interacted with me. I'm already feeling bad. You know what I mean? I just want to leave. But then there was this other guy who sold me like three of my cars in a row because he was such a pleasure to do business with. And I mean, what's the difference? Like, how do you bottle that guy's capability and like, you know, and then sprinkle it on all the other guys. I, I don't, you know, really, I don't know, but you know um, but really he was just such a pleasure uh, to work with. And he didn't act from a, you know um, you know, a pretty salesman way or, you know um, a lack of interest or what have you. Right. And I mean, that particular guy got, um, you know, got three cars sales from me, three in a row. Right. right. And yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm sure you told everybody about them. I did. My sons they bought cars from them. Um, yeah. No, I did actually. Yeah. And I think that that's something that, that, you know, you know, is important to remember is, is that, you know, if who your client is or customer is, has a good experience with you, they're going to tell everybody about it just like they're going to tell everybody about it when they don't have a good experience. That's right. That's going to spread a heck of a lot faster. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. As, as a business owner and you know, you had a couple businesses and and still kind of running one here now, you know, time management always seems to be a big issue because, you know, we're trying to, you know, run the company and and get the sales and and kind of lead everything, um, uh, make sure that our customer engagement is the way that we want it. Um, you know, obviously in our other business uh, responsibilities and stuff like that. How do you um, talk to the business owners about allocating their time and and how they should do that? 
Yeah. So um, the the sort of philosophy that I use, um, and you know, there's uh, it's not that complicated, but uh, it's not complicated at all, really. Is the delegate and elevate strategy for uh, what you should be working on when you're in the if you're talking about leadership uh, and managing your time, because uh, oftentimes I'm talking to the the head of a company or the head of departments, and they've got people under them and. And so I'm always coaching people to look at how they can delegate and elevate. And so what I first asked them to try to do is to figure out, you know, what do I love doing and I'm great at, right? What do I love doing and I'm uh, crappy at, right? You know, what do I hate doing and I'm good at? And what do I hate doing and I'm crappy at, right? And then, you know, and there's a, you know, I, I don't want to steal all the credit for it because I didn't make it up. Right. But um, I learned it from the EOS operating system model and they break it down by percentages of where you should spend your time and how you should break down, you know, your day and track your uh, track, your activities over a period of time, a week, and then two weeks and whatever, and see where your activities lie and focus on that sweet spot of where you're, where you love it you know, where you're great at it and things like that. Right? right. And so where you can thrive, but, but when just my, managing my own day, I always try to do the hardest, most valuable thing next. Right. And just continue to triage my day throughout the day. Right. And, um, you know, and always be trying to work on the next most important thing and try to avoid, you know, doing the easy things that make me feel busy, that make it look like I had a busy day, but, you know, like, cause I work in an office and in a business environment, you know, when I, when I go home on the weekend or whatever, if I get all sorts of like honeydew chores or whatever, you know, cut the grass, mount the shelves, put up the painting, uh, you know, uh, you know, like do this, do that, whatever. And I get all that done. I feel like I've just like cured world hunger in terms right. of, because right. I've done so many things. Right. right. And right. I feel so productive. And so oftentimes there's like, you know, things that you're good at, but you shouldn't be wasting your time. It should be done by somebody else, um, maybe a lower cost resource. Mm -hmm. And so I always coach people to make sure they're not wasting time on things that would be better done by, by somebody else. Right. And um, focus on what's going to move the needle for you. Right. Now, uh, again, sticking with the business owner side of things, um, you know, obviously, you know, we face many challenges and, and I'm going to say, Sales is probably the biggest challenge that that all businesses, um, you know, run into. But I guess, how do you tell the business owner about staying um, staying active in it and motivating the the owner to want to keep pushing sales? I mean, obviously, we all want it because we want money, but it's the process itself that I think we need to stay motivated with. And how do you, how do you, um, you know, coach people to do that? Do, sorry, could you just ask the, uh, how do we keep ourselves motivated to keep the team motivated or, yes. or yes. Right. Okay. Um, so, well, I mean, my best answer I can give right off the top of my head would be sort of when you're put in a position of leadership, right. Your job is to lead, right? <laughs> and, uh, right? Yeah, and so often people lose sight of that, and they they think that their job is like to be the 
you know, expert in all the little, uh, um, you know, like, like I'm the general manager, right? So finance reports to me, marketing reports right. to me, operations, production, uh, you know, all of the teams report to me. Am, am I an expert at finance, production, warehouse technique? No. Right. And, um, but what I am, what I do need to do is provide um, decision-making and authority for the, for these people so that they can get their jobs done. Right. And, and to be, you know, always to be providing them with the next thing they need in order to do their job. Right. And I say as a leader, like when, if you've reached a point of perfect equilibrium as a leader, then you shouldn't have anything to do. Right. Because everything should be done by everybody else perfectly. Right. right? right. But of course, it never you never get to unicorn perfect perfection. I haven't found that yet. Let's put it that right. Way. <laughs> Me neither. But when they come to you, they need you to show. They need you to act like you know what you're doing, even if you don't. Right? They they need you to make decisions in a timely manner, and you know what I'm saying. And and a lot of times they don't. You know they they may have the answer and they can share it with you and you can authenticate it and authorize it, which is fine. Or you know, they're looking for you to, for you, for more to mentorship and guidance and, but you need to act as a leader and make decisions. That's your, you know, I see that as your sort of number one uh, requirement. And then if they can always count on you, then they, you know, they tend to want to do a good job. And, um, you know, when it comes to staying motivated, I mean, there's going to be times where you're, you're probably fall off and you are feeling a little demotivated, but I would always suggest, if that's like in during a day or whatever, you know, go for a walk, change your environments and do those kinds of things. Right. right. And, um, you know, um, but, you know, there's a, um, you know, there's a saying in the book where it applies to both the manager, the employee, you know, all the stakeholders in a business or what have you. And it becomes, you know, and always says my, you know, whenever someone says like, what's the most important thing you want to share from the book. And it's the, the, ta the, cha the chapter titled, you only get forever to make another impression, right? And so what I mean by that is whenever anyone walks by you, whatever you're doing, you're making an impression, right? You know, if you're the boss and you're not doing anything, you kind of look like a lazy boss, right? If you're the boss and you're walking by a sales guy and he's on Facebook, he kind of looks a bit lazy, right? right? And if he sees you doing it twice, well, you're a permanent bum, right? And you're not getting, you're not going to get, and, and they're like, oh, what's the big deal? I was on Facebook a couple of times and, and I'm like, yeah, and now you're permanently lazy to that guy. Like you're going to have to do a lot of extra work to claw back out of those. So, you know, whenever you have an opportunity to make an impression on someone, make it a good one, not just the first one, like your mom told you, right? right. It's every impression, right? And so same as a leader, right? If, if people are, you know, you know, if you feel the group's energy dying down or what, or what have you take a walk around the building, say hello to people, you know, uh, chit chat with somebody maybe in the warehouse that, you know, that you normally never talk to and say their name, how they doing, whatever, uh, right. talk to some department heads that are maybe have nothing to do with you. Just say, hello, how's it going? You know, and, you know, and just keep, keep the connections going. Right. I find that to be really valuable right. and, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, again, uh, there there is a ton of stuff um, in the book, um, you know, with the do's and don'ts, um, you know, when going through this. What what have I not asked you that you wish I had? Uh, well, usually I give you the answer I just gave. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So well, because that was going to be my question, but you answered it, so I couldn't get yeah. to ask it. So yeah. Now, so now like- the other the other story I have is um, the you know is the story called Ten Million Dollars in Diamonds, and um, it's a story about I'll tell the quick version, but. I worked for a guy in a jewelry store. He went and opened his own jewelry store. And 10 years later, I drove by the store and it was still there. And I, you know, I was in my late twenties and I thought, I'm going to pop in and see if he remembers me. And I popped in and he was a, he was an old Italian guy. He had polio from the fifties and he was very affected. He had a cane and, um, but, and um, you know, he, he was very like larger than life in terms of his, his uh, persona and everything. And despite his handicap and, um, I, you know, I said to him, you know, how's it going? His name is Romeo and he's going and he says, oh, it's great. It's great. And I'm going, how's business? He's like, oh, it's so busy. It's so busy. He goes, I'm a so busy selling the watch. I, you know, he says, I could be selling a $10 million in the diamonds, but I'm too busy fixing all the watches. And so, you know, he's in the back fixing watches, right? And I'm like saying to myself, like later, I'm like, why don't you just hire another watchmaker? <laughs> right. but, but he was so programmed to fix watches, you know, that he couldn't see the forest for the trees, right? And so, you know, don't miss that $10 million in diamonds when it's right in front of you, right? Work on the more important thing. It might be harder, but the reward will be there, Right. Right. And um, I think yeah. that goes back, also goes back to your to, you know, something you talked about earlier. If there's something that someone else can do and you, you know, maybe at a lower, I'm going to call it rate than what you are, then you want to pass that on to them to let them do that. And and sometimes it's just empowering people to do a little bit more. Right. Yeah, right. exactly. So if, if people like what they hear. They want to get your book and so forth. How can they reach out to you? Um, where can they find your book? So the best thing, um, uh, you can get, find all my different links on my website, glennpoulis.com. And um, the easiest way, and on there, there's links to all the book places to get the book. That would be great if you got that. I appreciate it. And um, if you wanted to communicate with me in some way, if you go to LinkedIn, you can you can message me there. I'm very, very active on LinkedIn. Um, and other social media, but mainly LinkedIn and uh, happy to speak to anyone that reaches out there. Great. I really appreciate your time today, Glenn. Thank you. I think, um, you know, you do have a wealth of knowledge and your book does have many, many great tips, um, for people that, that are either getting into sales or have been doing it for a long time and have kind of forgotten, um, a lot of these, uh, these things that, uh, you know, that you tell them that they should be doing. Right. Yes. Thank you. It's been great to be here. Yeah. Thanks. This week, our guest was uh, Glenn Polis, who is author and sales expert, along with the co-founder, vice president and general manager of Gap Wireless Inc. Thank you, guys. And I'll see you next week. 49 faces looked to him in triumph. Over the last 12 months, they had each taken turns and promoted his business for a week at a time, driving over $987,342 in revenue. What if you had a network of 50 centers of influence who promoted your business every week for a year? Grab your copy of the number one Amazon best-selling book, The Ultimate Guide to Growing Your Business with a Podcast, at 33% off the Amazon price by going to ultimatepodcastbook.com. Again, that website for 33% off the Amazon price is ultimatepodcastbook.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.